1: Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got a great show lined up for you. We're speaking about, well, some sensitive topics, but also some exciting and practical topics. I've got a great guest with me. His name is Campbell Page. Campbell, it's great to have you with us today.
2: Great to be here, David. Wish I could have done it sooner.
1: (laughs) No, I know you're a busy guy. We've been trying to get you lined up for a long time, and I appreciate you arranging your schedule so that you could uh, join us for today's broadcast.
2: Yeah, no, it's important. I'm coming in from Canada, but also, you know, our people never had those borders, so it's good to virtually get out into the United States.
1: (laughs) Very good, good. Well, of course, our show reaches in Yeah, reaches up into Alaska and into Canada. So we're always glad to have representation from north of the U.S. border, the artificial border, as you pointed out to us. (laughs) Campbell, you have a lot of responsibilities. I know you travel throughout Canada working with indigenous peoples. Tell us a little bit about why. Well, maybe first of all, just your background for people that don't know you and then a little bit about your current role.
2: Yeah, definitely. I am what's called uh, Mishkegwa Cree, uh, specifically Musoni and Lilu, which is Moose Cree from Northern uh, Ontario up here in Canada. On my mom's side, I am, uh, Red River Metis from my dad's side in the, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba area. And so those are two key nations that make up who I am. Um, I'm also English nation, the Scottish nation, the Norwegian nation, and a little bit of the Irish nation in there as well. So so that's part of who I am. i of mixed ancestry, but I identify myself as a Cree person. And um, yeah, I've grown up having to rekindle a lot of that because mm-hmm. of the, the different processes, and we may get into some of that, but the assimilation process, is not that that happened. But, um, yeah, that has been a part of, I don't know, it was almost six years ago, I was asked to serve in my present position as Indigenous Relations Director for all of Canada, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Canada. And just an opportunity to work on a reconciliation process which is a big part of uh, our work up here in canada and and to build healthy relationships between the church which has a lot of great resources and needs to learn a little bit of <laughs> how to uh, more appropriately work and you know with cultural humility and and that with uh, indigenous peoples and nations, um, and I do some of that work as well down in the US, um, but my main purview is here in Canada and helping my members cross-country, uh, 73,000 plus, do, you know, learn how to do this in a respectful way, a way in which we as Indigenous people have always asked for, um, and, and just getting back to that. It's also a strongly biblical way. <laughs> of interacting with, in a situation, a space that's been pretty fraught with issues over the years.
1: I love this connection that you're making, Campbell, with this, uh, you know, biblical approach and, you know, being sensitive to indigenous issues, because, of course, there's this tension in, you know, throughout Indian country is the Bible, if you will, you know, this European book that was used to oppress indigenous peoples. And I think you can make a case that it was misused and in, in many cases to do just that. But I really value the native friends that I have, uh, indigenous peoples who've been sharing with me. You know, if you look at the Bible for what it's saying, it's really speaking about some of the same cultural values that we've held for, for generations. Tell us a little bit about that perspective through your eyes.
2: Uh, yeah. I think one of the best ways to do that is to actually go to Scripture and see the common ground. There's a huge amount of common ground between traditional Indigenous spirituality and biblical spirituality. I want to really highlight biblical there because part of the issue has been Christianity not always representing Bible and right creator or God however we we want to um, call uh, that being Christianity is not necessarily biblical all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so but just uh, one of the things that connects for me go right back to the start the the book of genesis creation which is important in. and i want to highlight too i'm i'm speaking mostly from a Cree tradition there's over a thousand today there's over a thousand different nations across our continent (laughs) so Mm. i'm not speaking for all those i can't speak for those um and i wouldn't they need to speak for themselves but Creation is a really, really important part of most of the indigenous nations here uh, in the continent. And when I go back to scripture, I hear and see uh, in that process that's described there in uh, chapter one and two, that God creates this planet and he calls it Earth. right? Um, and then he comes along and after he's populated that world, you know the right animals and vegetation and everything, he comes along and creates humanity. Uh, first Adam, uh, Adam, if you trace it, is actually God's essentially calling this first human being earth or land, the color of the land, right? He's the color of the land is where his Adamah comes from. And even before that you have God reaching down, right? This creator reaching down and forming humanity, right? Because Eve again will be come next, but it's it's from that space. So creators come along and created Earth, formed humanity out of the earth or the land, mm-hmm. and then called humanity, you know, the first human, the color of the earth. Right, Mm. or the again this close tie to the earth and then a lot of um indigenous people are if they're listening right now are probably thinking yeah land's important i mean it's the foundation right of Mm. you know where where we get everything and creators made it and has to be used right for his benefit his glory and so when indigenous people come along and talk about the land, which you will hear a lot, we, you know, as Christians, that's the very foundation. In fact, if you look and you talk to many scholars, biblical scholars, they'll tell you scripture is an indigenous book. Hmm. You know, it's written, you know, and, and the Hebrews, Jewish nation starts to become Less indigenous uh, as time goes on, but it's first peoples, right? It's original peoples coming mm-hmm. and sharing what creators uh, given to them—that gift of understanding how to walk with creators. So, you know, right off the bat, if we come to scripture with that mindset of being open to, to not just hearing concerns, you know. Do we have to give land back and things like that? Those are important discussions, first of all. But mm-hmm. but when in, we as Indigenous people come along and say the land is so important, right? It's where we grow from. It's where we, uh, you know, it's the source of everything in our lives. You know, the houses we live in, the technology we use, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, the food, right, that we consume. To not automatically think. You know, have Christians not automatically think that's somehow a worship of the land or it's somehow putting the land in front of creator. Mm. Um, And so, right, we start with the exact same Mm -hmm. space. You know, creator, God created the land. Man comes from that land is common in, in some, not all very common in many of our traditions and so when we you know when we go back even to the very creation we can start on common ground and there's many other things through scripture
1: i love how you're pulling this together and really helping us say hey this is something that we can all relate to regardless of what your background is whether you're uh, identify as you know an indigenous from wherever in the world, from a First Nation population, or if you are transplanted, you're living in an area that you don't really have a connectedness to the land, if you will, at least generationally. I love just how you help us to see that we've got that common ground. And I know that's a huge part of your work as you work with indigenous peoples and those who may have trouble seeing through the eyes of First Nation peoples throughout this continent Campbell, you, as we speak about this tension between religion, the true creator, his revelations, and then how man has sometimes, uh, well, misused some of those principles, those concepts. I know something that touches you very closely, as it does many First Nation peoples, is this whole uh, topic of boarding schools, you know, often connected with uh, churches and um, I know that's part of your heritage, and I know you have some things about your story that I think could kind of help us relate. Are you open to sharing some of that with our listeners today?
2: Uh, definitely, yeah. Whatever helps, right, to uh, bring reconciliation. It's when you think, and, and again, maybe it, it might be a good time, David, to, to just highlight the, the crisis line just in case any of this part of the conversation might be triggering i think it's the same uh, line for indian residential school survivors uh, but also anyone connected with that um, it's one 925 4419 so if anyone is triggered and needs to talk to someone it's a great space
1: So, so let me make sure that i've got this so Basically, because we're going to be talking about some things that are sensitive, may bring up some uncomfortable or, or disquieting memories or, or thoughts, we want to let people know there is help. It's the National Indian Residential School Crisis Line. Have I got the name down right, Campbell?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: And the number I jotted down, 866-925-4419. Have I got that?
2: Yes, that's correct.
1: Great. Yeah, thank you for giving that because I know sometimes we talk about these topics and we're not always mindful of, you know, that this is an uncomfortable topic for you to share about, but it could bring some discomfort to some of our listeners. So Campbell's point, well taken to those of you, uh, our listeners, please feel free if anything Campbell shares, it's uncomfortable or you want to talk through these issues with someone, that number is 866 925-4419. Nine two five four four one nine. Now I know there's a lot that you can share on this topic, Campbell, and we're interested in hearing it. We are going to slip into a break here pretty quickly, so just give us a quick overview of the essence of your story.
2: Uh, my family has always fought uh, to keep our culture uh, and language and all those types of things but this process of trying to make indigenous people just like the, generally the white population in history, um, took away a lot of that. We had to do that. Some of my ancestors had to do that because to protect their kids. So I'm a result of that. And I'll tell you maybe a little bit more after, after our break.
1: Yeah, tremendous. So we're anxious to hear your story, a lot of practical lessons. I'm Dr. David DeRose. I'm talking with Campbell Page. We've got a lot coming up in this program, things that will make a difference for you, for those you love. Stay by. We'll be right back.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at a i a n l that stands for american indian alaska native living again AIANl.org. or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE that's 1-800-775-4673 we'll be right back after this we are strong we are resilient and we will get through this together but these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673.
1: Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Campbell Page is my guest He is leading out in indigenous ministries throughout the country of Canada for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Campbell, you've been sharing some uh, things that, to me, have been fascinating, talking about this common ground between the Bible, rightly understood, and First Nation peoples throughout North America. I think that's something that often gets obscured because of, just honestly, from both our perspectives, the way Christianity has been misrepresented to First Nation peoples. We think of some glaring examples of that, and one of them, as we alluded to at the end of the last segment, is the whole boarding school experience, many times connected with uh, organizations uh, that called themselves Christian churches. Many of my guests who join us on the show have been deeply impacted by that whole sad chapter in North American history. And uh, you're not an exception. I appreciate your willingness to share a little bit uh, of your own story. And before we go into that, uh, you took pains in the last segment to give out a a crisis number. If someone's just joining us uh, for this segment, why don't you again uh, remind us, if someone finds any of this triggering or discomforting and wants to talk with someone, where can they reach out to?
2: Yeah, it's National Indian Residential School Crisis Line. It's 1-866-925-4419.
1: Great. 866, toll free, 866-925-4419. So, Campbell, tell us a little bit about how this has impacted you and your family.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Growing up, when I was... Much younger. <laughs> there was always conversations around our home about being First Nations, Native American, those of us in the U.S., and also Red River Métis. And that you should be proud of that. We're often involved with our friend groups, our, you know, there, there was always Indigenous things around us, but, but we were separated from the overall community, the right, overall Indigenous community where language, you know, uh, family connections, land base, right? Where you come from. And you'll hear, <laughs> I maybe introduce myself a little bit more than some of your guests, because Indigenous people want to know, you know, where are my roots? Where, mm-hmm. not just who I am, but where I'm from and who I'm from. And so, over uh, a number of generations, what happened and has happened across our continent is uh, as things like the Indian residential schools took place, one of the big things, and this is again, common ground when you think of core values of how we want to live good lives for indigenous people, just like everyone else, kids, are so important, protecting your kids, helping them have mm-hmm. a better opportunity moving forward, right? Then you. And so um, that's what started happening was you know, some of my ancestors they married people who weren't Indigenous and so some of us started looking <laughs> uh, not the stereotypical Indigenous uh, you know, maybe darker skin, certain features, things like that. Many people kind of say that this is what an indigenous person should look like and so if you could pass parents often encouraged and grandparents things like that you too pass um so that you know you didn't face the racism you didn't face the discrimination Mm. you didn't get taken right um to residential schools and again the it's important to remember that really, there really wasn't much choice. I know here in Canada, it started off as it wasn't mandatory that Indigenous kids had to go to the schools, but they were still taken by, like we said, Christian uh, people, the RCMP, kind of our national law enforcement group. And, and then, you know, our government started saying, well, this isn't working. <laughs> we need to make it mandatory. So it's mm-hmm. illegal then that parents would you know, wind up in jail and stuff if they tried to stop it from happening or hid their kids, right? Um, they could wind up in jail. And, and then that's part of the process my family has come through. My great-great-grandmother was a survivor of uh, what's called a day school. They preceded. The residential schools here in canada there were over 750 day schools wow so they started quite a ways before residential schools which was 1840s here and all you know so you have these effects happening on people um, horrible abuses and things like that that happen you have people coming out of these, you know, after having been in there 10, 12, 13, 14 years, sometimes you have people coming out who have essentially been shown that any relationship is violent, right? Uh, the idea of family has just been stolen away. Mm. You know, those types of things where you have extremely broken people coming out and they're just supposed to, you know, essentially. <laughs> Uh, with those little ceremonies brought in, they're kicked out. And, you know, they've often been moved hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from where their their home was. And so you have all these broken people, you know, and many of them trying to get together because, you know, hey, you're indigenous, you know, you're Cree, I'm Cree. And you have these broken families being created. Who don't really know, and it's not their fault, right? Mm-hmm. It's how they've been conditioned. And so you start having that now generation after generation, unless something breaks in there and, you know, um, changes that. And, you know, those kind of situations where victims of abuse, you know, survivors of abuse and stuff like that, there's often a, a desire to numb What's Mm happening, right? The pain is just so great. The the shame that's there, which again is, is, you know, so and it's still there for a lot of people. Uh, It becomes intergenerational, right? Those family systems create another family system, create another family system. Mm -hmm. And so, where you come, and I know some of your Adventist uh, listeners will understand what blue zones are. Many of you are indigenous people probably too, but just these extremely healthy zones across the world where, you know, because of the lifestyle and stuff people live, their longevity, right? Healthy longevity right. of people. North America was a blue zone before contact. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was probably the longest living group of people on the planet at the time of contact. And so that's a part of it, that living that way is a part of, but it was taken. And so now you have the violence, you have, you know, it's been done, the lateral violence. You have people like me who, when I look back on, especially one side of my family, every single person has some kind of addiction.
1: Well, wow.
2: I know addictions are common, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm talking about siblings, talking about parents, their siblings, cousins, you know, first, second, third cousins, you know, seeing this this and it's one of the things that early on I said, Why is that? Right? As I'm trying to figure out how to live a a better life, a healthier Mm -hmm. life for me and my kids. And in fact as early as as recent as this last fall, I took four months off medical leave from work because that intergenerational trauma which science shows when you face trauma, it actually changes and alters your DNA back. And so it's not just behaviors passed down, but these traumas that, that haven't been resolved. So some of that gets passed on, not to every child. It's not how DNA works. <laughs> but it does for some. And it's just been over the last few months where I've had to figure out what some of that trauma is in my, my, uh, space, you know, the years I've lived, but also how that other trauma has been there and affected who mm -hmm. I am. And it was significantly affecting my ability to do, you know, what I do as a, in my career here. So you have those kind of, you know, and now you have how many millions of indigenous people walking around this continent, um, I want to highlight. Just I know we'll be going into break right away, but I want to highlight the resilience, the strength mm, it takes mm-hmm. to have uh, our indigenous population growing and being healthier and, and all of that. It's that's part of my story too, right? Yes, yes. Everyone yes. focuses on the bad, the bad stuff, but you know our indigenous population is amazing. You know, and we we just need. To, other people, non indigenous people, to, to understand more of that and, yeah, understand us a little bit more. Well,
1: no, thank you so much for that perspective. We definitely uh, want to go there in the last half of our show. The point is not to talk about the trauma, the challenges, but that's the reality, and it's how to build from there, and I know that's much of what you're focused on in your work. We've got that material coming up in the second half of today's broadcast. I really encourage you to stay by if you can relate to Campbell's story, some really encouraging messages that he, that his team are working with, things that I think will be a special help and blessing to you. I'm Dr. DeRose. We'll be back right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native
0: Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not
2: like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, Ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth. If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov meth.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Campbell Page is my guest. He's been sharing about his own experience. Maybe coming pretty close to home for many of you indigenous listeners But uh, we're talking about something that although there is tragedy and trauma throughout Indian country, as Campbell alluded to as he was closing his remarks, we see among First Nation peoples tremendous resilience and just the fact that we see such a vibrant community among indigenous peoples throughout North America gives us courage going forward Campbell, I know you and your role as a First Nations person and as someone who is working with an organized church, in this case, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, you're trying to help build bridges between First Nation peoples and those who may not have indigenous roots. Tell us a little bit about some of the initiatives that your office has undertaken, things that you're involved with that are making a difference, uh, kind of across demographic lines.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting balance to try and have. First of all, but it's one of the things that we have done is there's an online course created by First Nations University in Regina, Saskatchewan, and it created a professional development course, or the best way, about Indigenous relations, and so. One of the things that I did during COVID <laughs> was trying to find other resources. And mm. I came across, uh, this course, went through it myself and it's uh, brought it to our leadership. And, uh, you know, sort of our national board, essentially. And they voted to, to make it mandatory for all of our employees. And so we're. Getting closer and closer to that, hundred <laughs> um, percent. Hope you know someday, but uh, probably about seventy-five to eighty percent of our employees across the country have this beginning course. Write uh, some of the history, some of the challenges, and hope for the present and future. And I think that's been a very helpful initiative because right, we're same language. We have the same language. People are coming from. The same space, so to speak, and some of the same understanding, so we can have deeper conversations.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's also free uh, for those of us uh, listening to, from Canada. All of our members, we negotiated so that all of our members can do it for free. We had to pay for our employees, but uh, the membership has it free. And we were the first church in Canada uh, mm. to have this type of course and have it well. Not to have the course, but to have it mandatory for all of our employees. So we see that's been important. We have a fantastic school, uh, Mamaway Itoskitan. Uh, it means working together in Plains Cree. And it's uh, near the, the community of Muskegee, which is surrounded and a part of four different First Nations there. Reserves, there the same as reservations in the U.S., And that's been around for for a number of decades. And yeah, if you uh, were to look up MANS, M-A-N-S, and just put it in Seventh-day Adventist Indigenous School, you would come across it's Manmoe Toskiton Native School. You would come across there people wanted to donate. (laughs) They're always looking for ways to improve what's happening. But we bring a lot of cultural things are brought in Uh, you know a lot of guest speakers from the community we have some strong support from elders and chiefs there it's a way in which they've been really working hard to do things the right way and that is consulting first with Mm. indigenous agents not to just run in saying oh we know what you need right as indigenous people we know what we need (laughs) Um, sometimes you may not have the resources for that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a way in which the Adventist Church can, can partner, right? And we also encourage stronger and stronger Indigenous representation in these projects. So they're led by Indigenous people. Um, and I just, as I say Indigenous, I want to make sure that the Alaska Natives and Native Americans, that I'm just used to using it up here in Canada, but it, it's including uh, all of us. Sure. And probably another one, uh, Williams Lake, B.C., so it's into northern B.C. Uh, I wanted to highlight that there's been a, a choice by the local Seventh-day Adventist church to make Indigenous relations and partnerships and stuff their first focus. So I think there's about 13 nations in that area, and they're going to be working towards um, partnering with those nations and creating this hub that that maybe other Adventists could come to 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 learn, right? Proper, respectful, cultural culturally humble ways to work. And in fact I'll leave it at those, but I, I would encourage people that are not indigenous to start using the idea of cultural humility rather than cultural competency. You can do a course and be culture, get cultural competency without ever having talked to an indigenous person. Cultural humility is going in and and recognizing for me, God, creators already working there. You know, that there are things within those cultures. I always come back to the Tower of Babel when, you know, the whole, world essentially was kind of set up you know all these people being split up by languages languages and things like that that god create you know helped create those languages and a lot of what we have today right are results of that somehow but he never took away the ability for that language to be used to communicate with him Hmm. all those people still had the ability to talk to god through their language
4: mm-hmm.
2: and so with language comes culture right your language often is derived from the places we live and how we view the world and that so you know it's understanding that god has been working across the world not just in that local middle east area for the Bible, is centered.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, those those are some key projects that we're focusing here on in Canada. We're also trying to get a digital online magazine, similar nice. to American and Alaska Native. I'm trying to remember the name.
1: American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Yeah.
2: There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Similar to that, but within a Canadian context, we'll probably uh-huh. start it digitally first, but then
1: move to nice. print if that's bit. Nice. I so appreciate what you're sharing, Campbell. For those who who didn't catch the original introduction, you're the director of Indigenous relations for the Seventh Adventist Church throughout Canada, and you're sharing with us, you know, some very practical initiatives. I know a lot of folks, if they're like me, and I've heard about many of the things you've mentioned uh, prior to our interview. But their minds might be kind of swimming and they hear, you know, native names for schools and different geography that they can't relate to. Maybe if they're from the uh, lower 48, uh, even if they're from Alaska. And you've got a website that helps to bridge some of these things, a landing place for people if they want to connect with the work that you and your colleagues are doing throughout Canada. Do you mind giving us that website?
2: Yeah, sure. Um it's I M as in Mary. So I M S D A C C dot com.
1: Okay, so and, and that, that, that stands for something, right?
2: Yes. It's uh, letters from our department, uh, Indigenous Ministry, Seventh-day Adventist Church in Canada. So the first letter of each of those the acronym for that.
1: So Indigenous Ministry, I am. SDA Church in Canada, S-D-A-C-C. So if I just put in I-M-S-D-A-C-C dot com, have I got that? That's correct. Okay. And that'll help connect me with a lot of these initiatives that you're talking about. Is that right?
2: Uh, It will start out. uh, It's also in a process of being reconfigured.
1: Mm -hmm. So
2: that uh, web address is going to stay the same. There's a couple of those projects on there. But probably by early this summer, uh, we will have—if not, hopefully before—but at least by end of June, we will have uh, pretty much a completely new website up and running, and it will definitely have those and, and many other uh, initiatives we're doing.
1: Wonderful! I mean, it's such a great place to start. So I'll make sure I get there and bookmark or take note of I am Indigenous Ministries SDACC Campbell, you were talking about something and I want to come back to. You and I spoke off air about something. This whole idea of connecting with the creator and how this seems to bridge cultural lines, you know, drawing parallels between indigenous wisdom in North America and an indigenous book that grew out of the Middle East, the Bible. You shared an interesting vignette, just a, a glimpse of some of your own personal story. You're now representing the Seventh-day Adventist church, but you were not someone who grew up um, with the knowledge of that church. I'm in the same position. I would never heard of Seventh-day Adventists growing up personally, so you didn't identify with that church either. And as a young man, something very transformative happened in your life. Do you mind sharing that with us?
2: Uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's, yeah, I I have to start it by saying that probably through my high school years, uh, I was made aware of the Day Adventist Church through my dad's dad, my grandfather, paternal grandfather, and people who knew him, he's passed now quite a few years ago, but who knew him in those years before he died would be like, I I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Uh this isn't the man I know. But what uh was happening was when he came into the church it was through a lens so it was the timeline is the 60s late 60s and and he came in with a very harsh understanding of who God was. Mm-hmm. And so the way he interacted with us as kids um, was harsh. Mm. Uh, and as far as talking about scripture and Adventism and things like that. And so I can very much identify with that sense of a Christianity that you want no part of. That's okay. how my family felt. Mm. Uh, and so that, Went on for a number of years. I didn't want to hear any more about Sabbath prophecies, anything. And then one day we, he had an acreage. We were living on that acreage in a different house. And there was this great big fight between him and my dad outside, a verbal fight. Um, And so when that was going on, he, the fight ended. We didn't see my grandfather for two weeks.
1: I know this is not a good place to stop you, but the clock is merciless, and we want to hear where this goes, but we've got to stop right here and get a couple of uh, announcements in and then come back. We're not trying to keep you uh, on hold, those of you that hurt tuning in, but that's the way it is. We're going to step away just briefly, final uh, couple of messages here, then we'll come back hear the rest of Campbell's story as well as some important implications. I'm Dr. DeRose. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Dr. David DeRose with Campbell Page. Campbell is heading up Indigenous Relations for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Canada. He is a Native individual himself with uh, deep roots in what we now call Canada. Campbell, you were telling us a story, and I love the story because uh, if those are just joining us, your life is kind of a microcosm of indigenous relations uh, with Christianity. So you had this connection with the Seventh-day Adventist Church through a grandfather, and it didn't seem like he was really representing a God of compassion, a God of inclusiveness. You, as you put it, I think you said you really wanted nothing to do with the Seventh-day Adventist Church as a young man just because of how your grandfather represented it. So you mentioned then some kind of a conflict. Kind of repeat that part of the story and then help us come to some resolution.
2: Yeah. I still don't know. My dad and my grandfather are both past. But I would have been maybe in my 20s. And they had this horrible verbal fight between his house, my grandfather's house and our house. It ended. We didn't see him for two weeks. And he came back, and he was a completely different person. Wow. In indigenous mindset, he was living in a good way.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: For Christians, he was Christ-filled, which was a complete change. And so a couple of years later, we uh, decided to attend a, a revelation seminar, and we were hearing some amazing uh, insights and stuff from the evangelist, he came over to visit, um, and here he was, one of those harsh <laughs> oh. Adventists again. And so we were like, okay, Grandpa's great. You know, um, this guy was really harsh. We don't want any of that. And then through a, a completely informal process with a pastor named Brian Hawes, we saw, again, a Christ-filled picture, um. uh, someone living in a good way. And we decided uh, then and there to pursue what does this mean as having christianity in our lives and so one of the things that happened with that was that we or i still was seen within society and even a bit within the church that didn't talk about being indigenous right you didn't Mm -hmm. talk about being native american and so that kind of carried with me for a while and it was through a teaching very common, especially through the the main part of the continent. Uh, people recognize it as medicine wheel teaching, four directions teaching. It has a number of other names. And in that, there's four quadrants to life. There's your body, there's your spirit, there's your emotion, and your mind. So you see those you'll see those four divided quadrants a lot of times if mm-hmm. people are familiar mm-hmm. with medicine wheel. And and at its core, the teaching is. That creator, God, should always be at the very center of everything we do. And we have this holistic view, right? But all four of those come to the middle where creator is. And so mm-hmm. they're all linked. And so you look at your day through, you know, how is creator, you know, how have I connected with creator and lived in a balanced, harmonious way with these, uh, in these areas? Or how haven't I, right? And where do I need to maybe uh spend some more time with creator uh with for guidance or elders or others. And then with that teaching being there and also reading, you know, when Jesus was asked, okay, it's Mark twelve, towards the end of chapter verse twenty nine or thirty, he's asked what is the greatest commandment? Mm. Um, and he turns uh to the young man and says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. If you look at that, first of all, it's spoken just after the turn <laughs> um, from B.C. to A.D., right? So mm-hmm. around the year 32, 33, somewhere in there, possibly. And Jesus is saying, you know, put God at the center, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those are the exact same four quadrants, mm. right? live holistically in your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? In your body, in your spirit, in your mind, and your emotions. And so what struck me with that is that that has been a common teaching for Indigenous people here in North America, that medicinal teaching. And it's that core of that is very, very common throughout most Indigenous nations in this continent. Mm. That was being taught at least 2,000 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The God we follow is the same God. Hmm. He's given us the same foundation. If you talk, as I do, to elders and that, some of them are Christians, some of them aren't. Right. They will say there's a lot of similarities between biblical faith. And the, uh, in different indigenous spirituality expressions. Um, differences too, but there's a whole lot more common ground. And for me, that's where we should be talking, right? That's where we should be sitting down and having dialogue. What, what do we have in common? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. indigenous people value health, right? And value family, value, you know, having a good living and looking after ourselves. Our core values are the same. There's just been these processes that have severely disrailed that and put many Indigenous people at a disadvantage.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And a lot of what you will hear from Indigenous people is, like, come on, let's... <laughs> There's got to be, be a way, right, to move forward. We will always go back to treaty. Uh, I know in Canada, I can't speak for U.S., but all these treaties we have up here are still binding international law. And the core of treaty, um, again, from a, a Cree elder that was a friend of my dad's, uh, the core of what he shared through a book, uh, Two Families, his name's Harold Johnson, mm-hmm. is that treaty is about building a family. Mm. Treaty is either you're my family, right? I, I welcome you as a cousin. Or you're not my family yet.
3: <laughs>
2: mm. Right? But it's also international law, right? And so uh, you'll hear a lot of people, let's talk about treaty. And we know what treaty is, is Christians, covenant. We understand sacredness in your yes being a yes and your no know or no. Indigenous people have never broken any of those sacred treaties mm. in either of our countries. None of it's been kept from the other side. So let's all figure out how to be treaty people and build this family, both here and eternally.
1: I love the emphasis, Campbell, on connecting treaty with family and just really, you know, looking for that common ground that places obligations on both sides. But, you know, as we pointed out in this show, there's one side that seems to have some greater obligations because of their lack of uh, recognizing those family relations, uh, And uh, so we've talked about some things that bring up some sad history, but also we've talked about the resilience of First Nation peoples. And you and others are trying to provide a path forward, trying to provide ways for dialogue. Before we close out the show, Campbell, you shared with us a website. I know you're continuing to upgrade (laughs) that, but people can jump on it right away and get some practical information. Would you give it to us one more time, please?
2: Yes. Uh, So it's an acronym. So Indigenous Ministry. I M, and then S D A C C, I M S D A C C for Indigenous Ministries Seventh Day Adventist Church, Canada.
1: Okay, so I've jotted down I M S D A C C dot com, and that's a way to yeah. get in in contact with you, get in contact with the different uh, some of the different projects that you and your team are involved with, and really um, hopefully develop a little bit more cultural humility if a person's non-native and if a person is from indigenous background to learn about some of the exciting initiatives going on in Canada. You did also mention um, that there's opportunities for people to partner with you. Uh, Some of the school projects that you have, indigenously driven school projects, people can contribute. Is there information on the website about how to do that?
2: Uh, Yeah, there is a bit there. Um, Probably the quickest way um, would be, uh, I, if you feel it's all right, I would give out my uh, work email. Perfect. And that is page.campbell at adventist.ca. So page as in a book, there's no I. <laughs> uh, Campbell as in a soup. So there's the PB in the middle there. page.campbell at symbol A D V E N T I S T. Dot ca send me a, an email yeah
1: great great
2: whether it's a conversation whether it's some way you know we can connect you if you want to help whatever
1: tremendous page campbell at adventist.ca yes okay we do have to run thank you campbell so much for sharing uh, your enthusiasm your desire to bring people together from different backgrounds thank you so much for sharing uh, really your precious time
2: it's good to be here happy to share.
1: And thank you to each one of you who've joined us on today's edition of the broadcast. As always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health.
4: This is Life Talk Radio.